Welcome to the UGA Sports Live podcast. My name is Rodney Nabulsi. I am joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan, the Hall of Famer, former Georgia head coach. And the number one reason you are watching the show today is to get his insight and his takes and hopefully a story or a joke or two. We'll have to get back to uh, having Coach Donnan uh, do his joke of the week. Mm. Hint to the hint, hint, Coach. You need to get on the stick there. So we're going to get back to uh, talking about uh, the Georgia football team and uh, upcoming spring practice. But first, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Academia Brewing Company, Your Pie, a great pizza joint, Athens Ford, and of course, our friends over at Dead Soxie. I am at home today. I'm not over where I should be, which is at uh, our friends in Classic City Eats. And I really want to be there because the weather's going to be perfect today, and they have a new outside seating area. When they lay, just laid down grass, it's going to, they got a big uh, uh, area out there that you'll just absolutely enjoy. Great place to go catch a bite, catch a Braves game if they ever have a baseball again. And, uh, you know, watch uh, hell, watch tennis, watch uh, anything uh, on the big screens there. At, you know, they'll have them outdoors as well. But check out our friends over at Classic City Eats. I wish I was there today. But I got to catch a flight. I'm going to be heading up to Indianapolis for the uh, our coverage of the NFL Combine, which brings me to my first question for Coach. Coach, a, a record number of Georgia players will be in Indianapolis this week. A ton of guys up there. I, I'm excited about it. I know you are too, but who do you think is really going to shine out? Because you've been saying for years, wait till this guy hits the combine, wait till that guy hits the combine. I can't keep up with all of them, but who do you think is really going to do wonders for their potential draft status in Indianapolis this coming week when they get in front of the uh, guy, uh, coaches, the scouts up there and do their drills and do their 40 times and do their lifts and do their interviews? Yeah, I think probably got a, uh, Devontae White got a little bit of a head start with a good senior bowl workout really has moved him up and people, you know, understand a lot about what he can do. Nope. May have lost coach's internet there for a second. Um, uh, and a really good point about Devonte Wyatt that was going on there. Uh, so we'll get coach back in here in a second when we can. You got me. Coach, internet froze on you for a minute. You mentioned Devontae White had done a good job on his uh, in the uh, Senior Bowl there. Yeah, I mean, I, I I lost you for some reason. Every time I move a different room, it looks good, and then I get the worst. So uh, I'm paying my bills, I can tell you that. But uh, George Pickens, just the fact that he, people – there's so many different ideas about why he played and why he didn't play when he was hurt and all that, you know, after his leg. But uh, he's just a spectacular player that I think uh, will show – uh, kind of like uh, Connolly did when he was there, you know, all the testing he did. So, okay. so, uh, but there, you know, I think also Cook's ball catching skills will really surface there. They'll see that. And, but overall, uh, just I've never had as many uh, guys contact me going into the draft maybe since I was in Oklahoma that, that I have lately here, just ask me about these kids off the field and things like that. Cause they, they, they do that. They check people out and I'm sure they're doing. A yeah. I get those too. When I get, have people will reach out to me and say, Hey, uh, when this guy had his ankle injured in high school, what did, uh, 
you know, how bad was it? When this guy had a was wearing a wrist brace in this game, you know, how how bad was that? Uh, when this guy had a run-in with the police, what really happened? So you'll get the uh, uh, scouts. They do some serious background checks, but they really want to go over you with a fine-tooth comb on any previous injuries. You know, when they're going to spend millions of dollars, they want to be sure that none of that stuff's going to pop back up again. They don't call me and ask me football questions like they do coach when they're like, hey, coach, you know, what does this guy do? Stuff like that. But they want to – they reach out to me as a media person, as a guy who's known some of these uh, players since they were in – eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, uh, what, what happened in this situation? What happened in that one? And uh, you know that stuff comes up in those interviews. Sure. I mean, th- there's so many different ways that they can check you out, starting with the physical and then the test and then the, obviously the interviews that they have with you. But uh, I really think that the one guy that we've always talked about that it was kind of a sleeping giant involved in the system so to speak but just uh 44 coming out there he's going to be uh he's going to be a freak on the test and he can play a lot of different positions and uh, anderson probably won't make the uh the combine but hopefully these legal issues will get behind him he would be another guy that would jump out there but just uh when you think about six years ago compared to now where I think Isaiah McKenzie was the only guy drafted in, in Kirby's first draft, and now all these guys. And there's going to be some free that get a shot. So, uh, and, and what happens is every high school player in America dreams about being in the draft, so they watch this. This is a very big deal to watch the combine in the draft, and, you, and you, all of a sudden you keep hearing Georgia, 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 like you used to hear. Alabama all the time, and you'll hear it again with Alabama's group this year. But uh, development of players and uh, makes it a lot easier to recruit a freshman player when they see so many of these guys playing early and then developing into big-time players. You, you take a guy like Tyndall, didn't play very much. Yeah, that's a guy that uh, kind we'll of came on down. Hopefully we'll have uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah really give us a, a good rundown after you screw it all up over in the combine with all your different uh, interviews. But they'll be saying, hey, here comes Roddy Nabolsky. What does he know? He knows everything. So they'll be – yeah. I've already told uh, several of these head coaches to take you out to to, to get something to eat. So you have <laughs> a scoop on it. And uh, he, he's the grand poopaw of Georgia Scoop. So uh, – but it, it, it really is, from a coach active, if, if I'm a college, I'm a pro sco- coach or pro assistant coach or a scout, is a, a very good way, kind of like you going to a rivals camp or yeah. going to an Under Armour camp. You can just evaluate these kids in so many ways. Another thing that I would point out that we brought to, to uh, surface here a couple years ago is we had a, an abundance of guys that one year, like Holyfield and people that came out and ended up being drafted. And the next year, Kirby decided to have a combine of his own here on campus just to show their our players exactly what they would have to do and how they st- – you know, their stats and, and their uh, results, how they – 
com- compared to guys that got drafted, just drafted, just so they would know that have something substantive besides somebody in their hometown saying, "Hey, you need to come out. You can get drafted." Uh, and it really has helped us as far as guys coming out early. You know, if you just look at last year's defensive backs. Every one of them made it except the kid from the junior college that uh, – DJ Daniel. Yeah, so they all they all made a team, and so it ended up being a good move by them. But I think that was smart by Kirby looking forward, and we'll have another combine here this spring. Beside the pro day workout that the, that the guys that declared will have, that'll be good too. Roddy, uh, you know, when it comes to doing the NFL draft previews, Brent Rollins and I are going through each of the Georgia players and uh, saying the, the order that we think they're they're going to get drafted in. It's on our YouTube channel. It's on the dog. Then. And I texted Coach and I said, you know, just looking at this from a media member's perspective, if I'm a GM, I'm saying this is probably not the greatest draft. And maybe I'm clouded by quarterbacks here. It's definitely not a great quarterback draft. But Coach texted me back and he said, well, it's a good thing you're not an NFL GM. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, well, you don't need to tell us these private. I, I think y'all do a great job with that, but I, I think your future is definitely in being over there at the Grady School, and uh, you're certainly moving up there. But uh, that was a good little quote you had. But uh, <laughs> I just like I, I know that was I would a the text, but, but yeah. I was just like. Dang, Coach. I mean, you got the network, you got the people. This is a strong draft, stronger than I realized, obviously. It is, it is strong, back-wise. I, I mean, you don't even know if one's going to go in the first round. Maybe Malik Williams or, or Pickett, but Malik Willis. But uh, we'll see how that goes. But it, it really is. Yep, he keeps hanging up there. Anyway, I will be up there in Indianapolis this coming week to uh, have, get an interview with each of the guys that are uh, uh, at in Indianapolis, talk to them. Uh, we always like to find out who they've had interviews with, you know, what their last uh, comments at George were like. If it's a guy that left early, what went into his decision? How close was he deciding to coming back? You know, there's a lot of guys that were we haven't spoken to since they declared early. A lot of guys we haven't spoken to since, you know, the national championship game. So, we, it's always a good to go up there and get some of these interviews. And then if there's time, you know, if it's a longer uh, media period and some of the questions die down, I'll usually try to get like an exit interview and ask the guys, hey, what was your favorite game? What was your favorite memory at UGA? Who was the toughest guy you went up against? Who in this room gave you uh, fits? And that's when you get into some really good stuff when you have a, you know, a offensive lineman go, yeah, this guy's coming up behind me. This over here from uh, Tennessee, he was a monster. He threw me around a few times and – because now all of a sudden they're in this brotherhood. It's no longer Georgia versus Florida versus Alabama. They're all guys trying to make it to the NFL. And it, it's a neat atmosphere there. I mean, a lot of people are like, why would you go cover the combine? Those guys are gone. I'm like, they're, they're gone as of, you know, they a few weeks ago they were playing for a national title for you. So let's kind of get some of their uh, exit interview stuff and some of their uh, uh, thoughts and about the, and, you know, hey, the guys that you're leaving, who should Georgia fans be excited about? You know, if you're uh, Zamir White, uh, who in that running back room do you really think is going to step up next year and get his take versus uh, James Cooks? <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that's really important here is that you give us that because some of these guys don't get a lot of interviews. But I, I would think, on the other hand, a guy like Hutchison, who everybody's got in the first three, the DN from uh, Michigan, 
they're going to ask him who gave him trouble. And he's going to say Jamari Salyer. <laughs> yes. That's going to help Salyer. I mean, that tape is invaluable to him in that game, playing against a, a top three uh, guy, you know, the whole game. That was that was impressive. Uh, but I'm, I was going to say the comparison here that for some reason on the internet I lost it, but just, just the fact that, you know, some schools go after players and, and other schools don't, and you don't understand why. And some people uh, would question that. It's the same thing with these pro scouts and these pro general managers and these pro coaches. Why would you go after him and compared to this? But, you know, you got 30 diff- 32 different teams. They got needs. Uh, they got new coaching staffs. They got the, the – uh, up there, you know, you've got the situation where the guys can uh, become free agents. Uh, a lot of different things involved there. The salary cap, uh, even though this guy looks like he's he's a good free agent, how's he going to affect our salary cap? So, a lot of that's involved in the in the pro game, and it's becoming even more prevalent in the uh, college game because of NIL. I mean, what can your program present NIL wise compared to somebody else and I think these collective type deals where people are getting their money in and Dane can tell us more about that. He's doing some research on it. As usual, he's behind the scenes on what's really saying in college football. But the, the draft itself is uh, just uh, uh, changes the whole kid's future. Uh, who you go going with the right team is so important too. I mean, you, you know, you look at McCall Hardeman, he went with the exact right team who could fit his needs. I mean, he's not an every-down receiver from the standpoint of throw him 100 passes, catch 100, but he catches just enough and runs just enough reverses and returns punts and everything. It was a perfect mix for him to get with Andy Reid and, and get with that program, and uh, I'm really happy with for him this, this the success that he's had because he's a guy that was not a natural receiver coming out of high school you know, could have played defensive back. He was a quarterback in high school, and he really has honed his skills in there. But uh, I can really see James Cook just going up there and everybody's going to just, wow. I mean, you just don't find a guy that can play running back that can do all the things he can. And then Zamir will help himself just by his complete attitude and the, and his story of what kind of kid he is too. Coach, how coy do teams get in terms of talking to these players? Because you heard Roddy say that in some of the interviews that we do, that he asked, hey, which teams are talking to you in the draft process? But then oftentimes we'll hear a player say, I got drafted by a team that I never even had a phone call from. That Like, I ended up on the Colts and they never talked to me. Yeah, I don't know really what happens on that because somebody said, boy, they, they, these guys really talked to me so much. I thought I was going and then all of a sudden, like you say, never heard. A lot of it's just how the cookie crumbles on the draft where, you know, who's the best guy left. And I know a lot of times I wouldn't say a hundred, but maybe 10 or 15 times I've gotten texts right during the draft when a team's coming up two or three times, you know, two or three more, they're going to be drafted. So what about this kid right here? Do you, you know, we've heard this, we've heard that. And if they're asking me, they're asking other people, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, how do you compare this guy for uh, at the same position of this other guy that played for so-and-so? So uh, it's a lot of down to the wire there about your need, but the best player available. And some teams have a board that have a 
guys ranked a whole lot higher than another. And a lot of it has to do with maybe the scout that's looking at him or the coach. But I think one thing that's really important to me was when the uh, head coach comes out and checks you out. I mean, there's a pretty good chance. I'm going to tell you, when we have our pro day here, I would bet on over-under. I bet there's at least 20 head coaches here on our pro day. Just because you got 11 or 12 draft choices, it'd be crazy not to. I mean, they don't need to be playing golf when they can look at 20 pro prospects. So uh, I think we'll have, I, I mean, 11 or 12. I think we'll have, I might be wrong there, but I would say between the general manager and head coaches, they'll be stacked up out here when we have our pro day. You know, it seemed like Joe Judge with the Giants was taking all the Georgia players. Well, now he's back with the Patriots, another team that historically takes a lot of Georgia players. And so I, I could see New England loading back up. And you know Bill Belichick would be one of the guys here. Yeah, Bill likes to come here. Um, you know, he likes Kirby. They got a relationship. And uh, he'll he'll say to me, hi, Jim, and then walk off. You know, so uh, <laughs> he's, he's – uh, He'll be driven. I mean, he he wants to go out there and run the drills. I remember when he and Mike, Mac Patricia worked out a couple of our linebackers right in front of everybody. I mean, they you, you wouldn't expect the head coach to go out there and work them out, but that's just the way he is. He loves he loves ball and he loves the the grind of it. So uh, it'll be him. He'll be here. He'll be here for sure. Yeah, we've. <clears throat> Uh, there's great stories about uh, these uh, head coaches coming in and pulling a guy aside. And then sure enough, six weeks later, you find out that, you know, they took him in the fifth or sixth, but what I'm really excited about this year for Georgia is I've gone to these before and had five, six, eight, nine guys at the uh, combine and they get one or two first round draft picks. And then a lot of guys fill in the you know fourth through seventh. I think it's going to be a front end heavy uh, draft for Georgia. I'm really excited about to see where some of these big names are going and, knowing that that first night could be big and then that second day could be very big too. So it should be uh, pretty loaded. And here's, here's the thing about it uh, that I would have just put the cherry on the top of the Sunday. The, the way the salary structure is now uh, for the fans, it used to be, you know, the first round draft choice, the first guy like Matthew Stafford got a massive contract. And then he sounds But what you have now is it's all structured by the, by the league that, you know, the first guy gets this all the way down to 32. And then once you go into the next round, it goes down. And and you're basically in that contract for four years, unless after the three years, they'll, they'll go ahead and, you know, like Murray right now, the quarterback for the uh, Cardinals, trying to get them to give him a long-term deal. So uh, it's really important to get drafted as high as you can to get your money up front. But, the big deal for you is to get that second contract. Once you once you get to that point, then it's Katie bar the door. It can be whatever your market is based on how you performed and what's needed there. If not, you can go as a free agent. So uh, it, it's a lot of difference between first and, and third round money and all that. But, uh, I mean, I don't feel sorry for these guys. They're going to make a lot of money. There's no question about that. But it, 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 and the the way the players' union set up, the union people were mad that they've been playing five or six, seven years, and the guy's never played, it's making more money than he is before he even comes in. You know, so they got that structured up, and and we're seeing it in baseball. But the football players are the same thing. They want revenue sharing. 
in, with these teams because all the billions of dollars they're making off TV. And, and uh, so it's a, to me, it's a player driven league though. I mean, you got to have players, teams that got players win and the teams that don't get their ass beat. Yeah. Same as same in college. We're seeing that now. One um, final point before you transition in what I think is going to be sponsors, Roddy, but coach had mentioned something about uh, Isaiah McKenzie being the only drafted Georgia player in Kirby smarts first year. And to see how quickly that's shifted, just some of the guys that played for Kirby smart are now NFL superstars. The Nick Chubbs, Deandre Swift is one of the best running backs. Andrew Thomas is a, a great NFL offensive lineman. You can go on and on and on. Uh, and that's just all on the offensive side of the ball. I didn't even discuss defense. That's such a quick transformation in terms of just getting talent into Georgia and they're prepared for the league. And, and I'm not trying to, to blow smoke up Kirby's buddy doesn't need me to, but like that's a remarkable job that the UGA has done in a short amount of time. Yeah, the proof's in the pudding. Everybody talks about these recruiting rankings, but the recruiting rankings get you the how you develop them. And if you develop them and then they go on to pro prospects. I know Roddy talks about five-star guys or ones that they think can't miss are going to be drafted and all that. And for the most part, they're pretty good at rating them. But it really is uh, remarkable when you look at all the things that have happened here, whether we've talked about facilities and all that. But just the fact that uh, you've got this many guys, um, and it's going to be very, very impressive on – the combine and the the fact that uh, when they have the draft, when everybody's talking about whether it's Mel Kiper or Daniel Jeremiah, just the abundance of players that Georgia has. And the bottom line, the thing that I know that Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, whoever the coach is, they know if a guy played at Georgia that he's been trained in the skill level to go on and, and develop and he's been pushed and he's uh, knows how knows the, the game of football. You know what I'm saying? So that might be the difference between a guy being selected maybe late in the second round or late in the third round, just the fact that they played at Georgia, kind of like what Alabama's had here, you know, over the years, because they know Nick, Saban has coached in the pros and he, he knows what it takes. So that that's going to help us a lot down the road uh, recruiting too, because for some reason, some of these clowns in the media have said, well, you know, Kirby can get the players, but they can't develop them. Right. Let me just tell you right now that that's gone out the window. So uh, uh, he's a really good teacher and they, they do a good technique out there. They really do. Yeah, we definitely see that a lot in the uh, – uh, when I talk to the scouts, they're like, well, a kid from Georgia, you know he's going to produce. And I think of some of the high schools where you get a kid and that kid may have topped out in high school. He's You expect him to get to Georgia and get bigger, faster, stronger, and produce more for you because now he's a year older and it just doesn't happen. Whereas at Georgia, those guys continue to produce in the NFL, and you're right, that, that you have that uh, reputation. Speaking of good reputations, I want to mention our friends over – I'm going to share the screen there for uh, everybody – because I thought it was a uh, pretty neat. Uh, let me add that one in there, if you would. Yeah, our friends over at Dead Soxy have produced these fantastic Mardi Gras socks. Today is Fat Tuesday. Uh, I know there's parades all over the place, and if you want to look snazzy and you want to look sharp, you can get some of the new 
uh, Mardi Gras socks that our friends over at Dead Socks have. They're incredibly comfortable. They have the True State technology. And, I, and you're like, okay, well, if I order them today, right, I'm not going to get them to wear them tonight to the parade. I get that. But go ahead and get them for next year. Get them for somebody who's a big Mardi Gras fan. Get them for somebody uh, in your family. Grab those fantastic socks. You're going to have all the great comfort that you do with their regular socks. But you get all the great the masks, you know, the sort of leaves, the um, they're just super sharp. Uh, grab some of those when you get a chance. And if you're not, you know, hey, um, you've got uh, somebody in your family that needs great socks or you yourself want them or you're a Georgia fan and you want to wear uh, uh, snazzy socks to work. Check out the college line and get the red and black ones from uh, our friend, our Georgia, uh, our Georgia line over there at Dead Socks. I really appreciate what those guys do. Um Happy Fat Tuesday, Dead Soxy. Happy Fat Tuesday. Speaking of uh, uh, Tuesday, always on Tuesday, be sure to hit your friends over at your pie. That's when you get the double points on their app. But you know today's the first day of March, so you know what's coming up in two weeks from today. 3.14, 3.14, Pie Day. That's when they do the fantastic giveaways on all their pies. Uh, I say giveaways. You can get basically all their pizzas for $3.14. So Pi Day is huge. It has been a wild tradition that they've had for years where you got people lined up out the door. But hey, order on the app. Uh, and you don't have to actually do it on that day usually. Usually the uh, Pi Day, they're like, hey, if you want to order today and pick it up tomorrow, you don't have to come in and try to join the madness. But Pi Day is a big deal at Uripi. Uh $3.14 for a one 10-inch pizza. Yeah, it's uh, claim yours from the 14th through the 16th. So you got three days to celebrate March 14th. So uh, be sure to um, mark that in your calendar, mark it in your mind. 314 is coming. Pi Day will be here shortly. All right, Dan, let's hit some uh, questions that we got from the uh, dog fan. Yeah, let's get back to the Bulldogs in Athens for the upcoming season. New offensive line coach for Georgia, Stacey Searles, returning. He was an offensive line coach under Mark Richt, uh, most recently with Matt Brown at North Carolina, also with him at Texas, but all over the Southeast in college football. So easy question for Coach Donnan from right away on the dog vent. What do you think of the Searles hire? Yeah, one of the things that I try to do uh, – when when analyzing things for this show and, and looking at it from perspective of uh, what's best for for Georgia, how the, these uh, decisions are made, basically uh, you, you got a deal where you, you don't need somebody to come in here and reinvent the wheel. I mean, you got a good thing going here. Uh, you got uh, established program. You got established players. Uh, so one of the things that really always helps a little bit is f familiarity. And in the case of Stacy, he has a, a background of working with Munkin at LSU. They worked together under Jimbo Fisher there when they were coaching with Les Miles and at uh, a, a national championship team uh, uh, one year with when Nick and he didn't go to the pros. So he's had uh, some, some work with Munkin. He's also worked with, uh, Coach Muschamp, he's worked with Coach Bobo, he's worked with Coach Hartley, he's worked with uh, Coach BMAC. So he knows uh, these people. He doesn't have to get to, to, to uh, find the personality of the program. Uh, and also he's been, been around the head coach. So I think the one thing, it was very salient here, and uh, Roddy did a good job of uh, keeping up with all the people that have been interviewed and uh, actually – 
brought out the fact that this guy had been hired before anybody else, uh, which I don't know how he did that, but he lucked out as usual. But uh, the thing that really impresses me about this process was the, the depth that they went into to make sure that, uh, that they got who they wanted. And uh, regardless of all these different things about it, so-and-so is all for no, I don't really ever worry about that. I know that uh, the one thing that you got to have from a head coaching perspective is the ability to hire and uh, motivate and develop and, uh, with the, with so much riding on it, there's no way that Kirby would have hired this guy unless he felt like he was the best possible guy to come in here and uh, take the linemen we have, develop the ones that are coming up, and blend in with the staff. The staff is important. Staff morale. Staff, uh, that's one thing that Luke did right off the bat. I mean, he came in and replaced a really good popular coach, and uh, there might have been some – ups and downs, but uh, there's no question. You look the way we played against Baylor in that bowl game with only about 10 practices with the players. I thought it was awesome. So uh, overall, uh, just Stacy's going to come in here. He knows the landscape. You don't have to tell him where Chris County is. You don't have to tell him where uh, anything. You know, he's got a national reputation. He was All-American lineman at Auburn. Uh, he knows what the uh, – what it means to play against uh, Tennessee, uh, against Florida, against Auburn. So uh, a lot of built-in pluses for him. And uh, it's obvious that he wanted to be here because, you know, he had a situation where he coached with a guy that's that's been on his side for a long time in Mac Brown at Texas and at, and at North Carolina, even though they didn't have a great year this year. Uh, but a lot of that had to do with – couple pro court running backs going pro early and all that. But uh, bottom line, uh, I know Kirby, he's not going to body in here unless he feels like that's the best guy for the job. And and the other thing is I feel like the overriding thing was Munkin felt comfortable uh, letting – giving the keys to the car offensive line to this guy if he didn't – there's no way we'd have hired the guy. So that's the way I feel about it. And I look at it too, that really any offensive line coach, heck, throw me out there. I'm going to look okay. If you give me the talent that Georgia has at offensive line, it should be yeah. a unit for this upcoming season. Yeah. I, I said that last week and I'll just remind the people when he walks in that old line room and introduces himself to those guys, uh, he's going to, he's going to be really uh, feel pretty good. I mean, there's going to be on that loudspeaker, there's going to be some James Brown music. on <laughs> If he was feeling a little down in the dumps when he got there, I mean, just the eyeball test. And I want to make sure I don't forget this because I won't be able to remember everything. But last Friday, uh, I was trying to work out something with Kirby on uh, one thing with his son who's playing tennis and everything. And, uh, I uh, just have, I went over there to, to make sure that I was and see him in person. And they were, they were actually having their all season program where they're doing agility drills and, uh, you know, they call it team run, but they do stations and everything. I have never in the history of Jim Donnan, 77 years old, I have never seen any group of athletes like that. Never. 
I mean, well, you man. said that last year, coach, and they won a title. Yeah, so. I mean, that was last year, but these young guys <laughs> are in here, and I just want to feel, I, you know, the past is the past. But yeah. uh, I, I said that more about on the field once they sure, start practicing. But I'm right. talking about just athletically. If, if they were, if they were getting ready to go and and have the best looking team in America, we would win that unequivocally. There's nobody that looks any better than us athletically. Now we got a, we got some holes on our defense. We got to do all these things. I'm just talking about big, fast kids that can run and enjoy it, and are working their ass off. I mean, after I left that building and got in my car, I just sat there for a minute. I said, "This guy's, this guy's got a monster here." Now. Jealousy is ugly, Coach. I was I wasn't jealous. I was I promise you, I wasn't jealous. I was just. Just glad that, that every day I get to watch these guys from however long I got. It's going to be every dang good. Good kids, hard workers, uh, good good support staff over there. Uh, and that building, the way they finished it up with the meeting rooms and the uh, uh, cafeteria, they, they actually going to call it a restaurant, you know, like Bones is the name, you know, for dog bones. They're going to call it Bones or something like that. But uh, just another another little coup de gras to add to the program, that rest of that building. So I don't know what's next uh, for them. But, you know, we we got the championship. Now we got to do it over again. But we got a good – I promise you this, Rodney and Dane, we got a good base to start with. I mean, a real good base. Well, we saw that when the uh, – some scouts went to the – before the season started – and Georgia's facing Clemson. Scouts went to Clemson the week before the game, and then they came to Georgia. They're telling the Georgia guys, like, wow, you guys are bigger, faster, stronger than Clemson. And showdown in the game. You won the whole thing. All right, next question, Dane. Uh, this one's for me. Coach, how would 20-year-old <laughs> Coach Don and the quarterback at NC State, how would he fare in a practice with these UGA guys currently? I would have to really – I would really have to use my acumen. Uh, I would I would hope that we wouldn't be in a uh, hurry-up offense so I could think a little bit about it at the line of scrimmage, but I would have to really do some uh, – uh, I mean, I think I could throw on them, but I don't know how, how good I could uh, move in the pocket. But uh, that's a tough <laughs> question. Here comes uh, Nolan. <laughs> but, but, you know, I would – I told Ryan one time after uh, I was out there and uh, watching our D-line rush the passer when I was behind the line, and I was thinking about how you going to block these guys. I mean, just really got some good D-linemen that are leaving, but but uh, we got some good offensive linemen moving up. But as far as me playing at this level now, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'd give it a try. I, I really would because um, – you know me, I'm a competitive. I mean, competitive guy. Uh, you know what I used to say, don't you? What I'll take any man from any land, any game that he can name, for any amount that he can count on any day that he can play. Now that was back in the day. Now I don't, I can't do that. But I used to try to play a lot of things. I, really, I love it. I'm getting really, friends at the seven six. Put that on a t-shirt. I like to, I like to compete, but uh, you know I. These guys throw for more yards in a game than I did in like the whole season now. But, uh, but, uh, 
I know one thing. If it got close, I'd call. I would call uh, split over change thirty two ride pass wide deep cross. See if it worked. <laughs> and close my eyes and pour it up to Harry Martell. And hope he catch it. <laughs> uh, we were talking about defensive line, so this is a good question for that. Uh, Urban Myers heartburn is the handle on the vent that I asked this oh. question. One of my favorite, one of my favorite posters. Yes. Who is going Urban to be Myers heartburn? Yes, <laughs> Urban Myers heartburn asked, "Who's going to be the player that will benefit from not transferring like Robert Beal was this past season?" From not transferring. A guy that maybe in certain circumstances would transfer for more playing time, but it's staying around and could be rewarded. 100%, 100% William Poole. I mean, he can, oh, yeah. he'll, be, he'll be fighting for a lot of – he could go places and play, but he knows right now what his role is, and I, I feel like he would be a guy that you keep that stays here that, that's going to really help us. I'm going to go Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint. See, I didn't think he would be transferring. I thought he got a pretty good amount of PT. He, he got some, but, I mean, that's a guy – you saw more and more passes go to freshman guys, and he could have pulled a Jermaine Burton and said, look, I'm going to go to an offensive uh, – that you know, offense that throws a lot more. You know, he's got that – he came back from the injury. That's a guy who – I'm not saying he was going to transfer, but he could have, you know, and he didn't. So, I think that's a guy that uh, blows up next year. I'll say at the same position, I'll say Kyrus Jackson. And I say that because I actually heard his name of like, hey, this is a guy that could be someone that does transfer. Uh, and he didn't. He's sticking around. And uh, I think he's a valuable piece for Georgia. Huge. Uh, there was a question about Kyrus Jackson. Let me scroll and find this one. Uh, or maybe we'll get back to it because uh, here it is. Uh, will we see a reemergence of Kyrus Jackson at wide receiver in 2022? Played a great first half of 2020 and really hasn't done as much since with injuries playing a big role. That question from what you got, Lauren? Absolutely. Absolutely. He will be a big part. And I think Blaylock too, but not maybe as much as, as uh, we'll see from, from Kiaris, just because, I mean, just went into the year with a, every time I saw him, just a little bit bummed up with his knee, never felt really good about it. But I, I, I just feel like he'll have a big year. And uh, Mitchell will, uh, Mitchell's confidence has got to be out the gate the way he's played in big games. I mean, and his route running continue to continue to improve. And uh, we'll be, we'll be good at wide receiver. Uh, and you add, Add Smith in there, and uh, it, it's just going to be an uh, eighty-four. Uh, I mean, come on, we're going to be we're going to be good there, but we're going to be. If you ever thought about something that just made you feel like something that makes you feel like it just signifies greatness, is the Concord. That plane, the Concord, was that. We're going to have the concord of tight ends. <laughs> that it's going to be like the epitome, and and Eric Gilbert would be a a hybrid guy that could be either one. Uh, you know, I talked about last week about him being out there, but uh, and I just bragged about how good we looked. I mean, he looks. I mean, he's on the scale of the top five guys looking on the hoof that we got out there. So, 
uh, he he'll be he'll be really good for us. I do want to touch on real quick on Kyrus Jackson. We all year long we kept saying in our watch along, he's going to take this one to the house. He's going to take this one to the house, you know. And he came six inches, a shoestring tackle away a couple times. Even if he doesn't blow up on offense, I think he's going to be uh, he's great kick returner. He's going he's going to break some off in this uh, upcoming season, especially when you look at the competition he'll be facing. So uh, I expect. So can Kenny Mack on kickoff returns. Uh, we, Great point. Uh, yeah, we got a good good guy there, and uh, another guy that I think just going to have breakout year is Milton. Just every down type back that you know he just had. He's been kind of snake bitten about the injuries, but he he's a what a good kid he is. I mean, you talk about something when he walks in the room, he just lights up. I mean, you can't beat that. Beside the fact that. Uh, great talent. I mean, he he's got that it factor as far as being a team guy, and uh, I think he'll splatter some people this year. I'm laying down my marker: one thousand one hundred fifty-seven yards. I would say over. Okay, I bet you dinner on. He's not going to have to share it as much. You know, he's going to be. I'm going to give him eleven fifty-seven. That'd be good. I will take that, but. You know, and the thing about this show is we're optimistic and everything, but it's uh, with reason. Yeah, I mean, uh, and we should be, but we can always remember the story of Sheriff Bill. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing that for people that don't remember it is Sheriff Bill would always say it could be worse, could be worse. And the bottom line is he was a he was a uh, sheriff up in West Virginia in Logan County. And no matter what happened, it could be worse. It could be worse. So one day two of the young uh, deputies went out and were called out to a trailer park. And there was a man and a woman led together had both been shot. And there was a guy sitting in a chair with a gun to And uh, so said it's pretty obvious this guy came home found his wife in bed you know shot them both killed himself it's a double homicide and a suicide so let's close it up do that we got to call bill out here we can't call bill out here said all he'll say is it could be worse it could be worse and he said i'm so tired of hearing that he said look he's a sheriff we got a triple homicide here we got to bring him out here so they bring bill out there and Bill comes driving up in his, his big car with a siren on and drives in there. And they said, well, uh, here's what happened, Bill. This guy came home, found his wife in bed, killed them both, killed himself. It's a double homicide and a suicide. He said, yep, but it could be worse. And they said, what do you mean, Bill? I said, you say that every time. He said, look, if that guy would have come home yesterday, that would have been me in bed with her. <laughs> so... I always talk on this show of Sheriff Bill. It could be worse, but it really is. I think it's going to be really good. I would you 100%. That's I don't know how to transition from that. That's my joke than... today. It could be worse. <laughs> Sheriff Bill. It could be worse. Uh, it could be worse. Speaking of our friends over at uh, Academia Brewing Company. That's uh, how you do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, it, you could have worse beer than or worse time than going over to Academia and having fantastic beer, fantastic food, and a fantastic car show this coming Sunday at noon. Car so show? A car show. So they have these great classic cars. Of course, they had that badass bus over there that they ride around in with its uh, 
giant engine in it. You know, you hear it uh, chugging along. It's 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 badass. But uh, come out to Brunch and Brew. Uh, and while you're out there, you can marvel at some of the best vintage cars in Athens at the Academia Brewing Company this Sunday. They actually did, they do it the first Sunday of every month. They have great cars out there. But this Sunday will be the first Sunday of March from 12 to 4. They're going to have these fantastic cars out there. And of course, you can get their, all their different beers. Speaking of different beers, they have a new one called uh, Little Marmalade. And it's uh, part of their Sour Syllabus line. It's one of the more uh, tangy ones. It has uh, tangerine and lulo fruit, whatever that is. Uh, it's very citrus beer. It's tart ale. And it's uh, uh, if you like those sours, hit up the folks at Academia Brewing Company. But again, they have the car show this Sunday at noon. It's really cool to see all those cars lined up in the parking lot. So if you're a, a, a gearhead, you like uh, vintage cars, you like classic cars, you like uh, the hot rods and stuff like that, swing by our friends at Academia Brewing Company and check them out when you get a chance. And if you're on that side of town, you're basically uh, coaches nine iron away from our friends over at Athens Ford. You can swing by there and get a new or pre-owned vehicle. They do have a ton of them. Uh, you can actually custom order your next Ford. You can uh, do it online or you can swing by and do it there in the shop. Uh, close to 200 vehicles on the lot. A lot of places cannot say that. So they're like, ah, we've got two. So our friends over at Athens Ford are absolutely loaded with new vehicles and pre-owned vehicles. And of course, um, just about everything you get over there has a lifetime powertrain warranty on it. So you can't miss out on having a great deal. Uh, the, the folks in the showroom there, the salespeople, they are not going to jump up on you like uh, Bella Lugosi, you know, as Dracula. Like, hey, how are you? You know, and be all over you. They're going to let you come in, take your time, and they'll be there to answer your questions. It's no hard sale. Uh, they're just there to make your experience go as smoothly as possible. So check out our friends at Athens Ford. They will take great care of you. Let them know we sent you. Uh, we'd greatly appreciate that. And uh, support folks who support the University of Georgia Bulldogs, because that's exactly what Athens Ford and Academia uh, Brewing Company do. Was that a limited fake cordial Dracula impression? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that guy. Uh, another question from what you got, Lauren, on the dog vent. Do you think the talent of uh, Dumas Johnson, Munden, and Sori can overcome the experience of Tresman Marshall and uh, Ryan Davis at inside linebacker? Out of those five, who will be the three that will end up playing like a Dean Tindall and Quay Walker? Good question. You know, that's all just a crapshoot there. I think those two young guys, uh, Washington and Walker, are going to be in the mix pretty quick, too. Uh, I would say one of those will be in the top three more than likely just because of his skill set. But, uh, you know, Munden has, has got a lot on the ball. Dumas has, has done really well in the game. So, I mean, let's just watch spring a little bit. And then uh, they're, they're all got the kind of t skill level to help us because, as we've mentioned so many times on the show, you don't play a game in the phone booth anymore where teams run I-pro right and I-slot left. I mean, there's wide formations. you got to be able to – cover backs you got to be able to play in space and you got to be able to run inside out and make tackles so speed is a real key factor there and knowledge of the system because there's a lot on the plate maybe on a linebacker more than any position on our team almost as much as a quarterback as far as getting your team lined up uh, making the calls uh, making the checks 
So experience that they've had will give them a little bit of an edge on Walker and Washington. But the fact that they're here now, all spring's going to help too. And and the other thing that's going to challenge them is they're going to be going against a really talented offensive team led by a quarterback that's going to put them in a lot of bad situations as far as the plays they run against them because they, Stetson's going to be able to get them in the right call. And so they're going to have to make defensive plays from a defense that maybe isn't set up to stop that play because the quarterback checked it off. So we'll abilities will be fairly quickly. Uh, this question from blocker 57, and I'm going to give a quick prelude to this um, because it, he, his question starts with if Amazon offered Kirby smart a billion dollars to become an announcer, uh, which the uh, context for that is that Amazon apparently uh, threw a lot of money at Troy Aikman, who potentially coach your old, your old player. He could be going to Monday night football on ESPN. We'll see a lot of money involved. Uh, and then Sean McVay apparently used some of the media, interview stuff to get a raise from the Rams. He's going to stay there. And now it looks like the targets on Kirk Herbstreet, a friend of our program to potentially do some Thursday night football for NFL. If the money's right. Uh, So that's the context for like media money and coaching, but blocker 57 says if Amazon offered Kirby smart a billion dollars to, to become an announcer and he reluctantly agrees, which I don't know about reluctance there. What coach would UGA target to replace him? In other words, not necessarily for UGA, but who's the next coach on the rise, according to Jim Donnan? Boy, I'm just, uh, I really don't know what the answer to that one would be because, uh, but I I would say that they really are throwing some ridiculous, and, and Romo started it when, you know, he had them by the, where he had to, could either leave or not, and they, he's making eighteen million for doing like fourteen games here, plus the playoffs. Or, so, um, and I'm sure that they might offer McVeigh a lot. But as far as the coach on the rise, I, I really don't know anybody. I'll have to think about that because I don't want to be unfair to some other guys. But uh, certainly, there's some good young coaches out there. But uh, fortunately, we got one here in Kirby. But do you worry about? I, I would worry about people just it, – it's just recruiting has just become such a prevalent thing that, you know, all the time you're on you're, – you're working on new guys and you got guys coming in and it, it's just a – I mean, like, you got guys that want to come here from the West Coast for an unofficial visit and you can't really put them up and you can't fly them in here, but they want to come. And uh, they say, well, I'm going somewhere else and – you know, if they're going somewhere else, how are they getting there? So, you know, you don't know what the deal is, but I would say uh, if anybody's going to stay where he is, it'd be Kirby just because his family and his background and all. But I don't think we have to worry about that. Now, if they offered him a billion, I would say, hey, Kirby, you probably need to take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wouldn't say that he's a coach on the rise anymore, but just to throw a name out there, because I think it's late for that distinction. Uh, But Dave Aranda, I think, is a guy that for what he did at Baylor last year uh, with a roster that I don't think was as good as they ended up. uh, He outperformed the talent he had is what I'm saying. So I think that's a potential guy. He's definitely a good coach. How's that? Who's the guy at Coastal Carolina that blew up? Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, yeah, he got Jamie Chadwell that did well at Charleston, uh, and now is doing well there. He's got an offensive coordinator that actually played a little bit at Clemson. Willie Corn is getting a lot of 
Chris uh, for the offense they run, but uh, certainly Jamie's done well. He, he probably got close on a couple of jobs here, uh, and I'm sure if he continues to do it. And you see that in basketball, these uh, mid-level coaches go from there to uh, maybe a little quicker than, say, an assistant coach in a big program. It seems to be a trend to hire some of these assistant coaches. You know, when you look at Aranda getting hired and Brent Venables at Oklahoma, there's a trend along those lines. The other thing, Coach, that I'd say, I think you're totally spot on with recruiting, that it's almost at an unsustainable level for someone to do that work that way for such a long period of time. But there's such little patience in athletic departments, and some of that's based off of you know media deals and money and things. Like events duly would not have won the 1980 national championship if current sensibilities were in, in the way that it was then, because he wouldn't have been allowed to stay that long. Like the, there were seasons that just weren't going to be performing at the standard of what people expect today. Uh, that leash is just so, so short. Yeah. I mean, uh, who knows that's, but I'm definitely the poster child on that about not being able to win quick enough here. So I didn't do it. So, uh, you know, even though we were making some progress, but, I think it's just uh, a lot of it has to do with your administration, who uh, who you got to beat, how they're doing. Uh, one thing's for sure: the the level of uh, competition in the East right now isn't like it used to be. No, Kirby's made it made it so a lot, but also you've had an unbelievable turnover in the coaching ranks at, at some of these places. I mean, we look at the number of coaches at Tennessee. Since Fulmer's been there, it's just incredible. Uh, so, and you see that around other programs too. But uh, what else we got here? Two more questions from the dog vent. This one from Andy Stowe. I've seen a lot of people talking about Amarius Mims moving inside to guard. Do you think that happens or do you think he stays at tackle? And do you think he starts this year? He's not a natural guard. He's just so big. You know, uh, of course, Ben Cleveland was big. You just have to see who the best five are and what you can do. But he's certainly within the realm of being one of our best potential players, but a lot of it has to do with knowledge and system. A lot like Broderick got a lot better this year once he, you know, felt a lot more comfortable with it, with everything. So got a new coach coming in, might do some new technique, but uh, he, he's got a really good chance of being in the mix somewhere in our front five. And then our final question from the dog vent. Roddy may have more after. We'll see if time allows. From Hug Dog 18 says, Coach, I hope you and your family are well, and I'm so thankful for your engagement with our dog community. Can you talk about the daily schedules of student athletes and what they face during the off season? Are there hours uh, at the Butts Mayor Building limited? Thank you, and go dogs. Well, they certainly go through a tough process uh, being a student athlete, whether you're a tennis player, baseball player, or whatever it might be, golfer, football players in off season usually come over there in the morning and have uh, some type of lift uh, four days a week, you know, upper body one day, lower body, and then skip. And then <clears throat> they'll have a class schedule and then they'll come back in the afternoon and, they, you know, they allow you eight hours a week to have, uh, meetings and off-season program now, which I think are good. So uh, maybe they might have 30 minutes of a meeting, then an hour and a half conditioning, and then on their own, like two days a week, they'll do seven-on-seven. Seven. The coaches can't be out there with a ball 
And then they have tutoring that's scattered throughout the day based on if it's an individual deal. And if you're not a really good student, you might have a mandatory study hall, but uh, certainly it's a busy schedule for them. That's for sure. And then you, you couple in if they got any kind of treatment uh, to uh, rehab themselves or go to the training room. But, uh, but there's plenty of things to do over there. I mean, they got a tremendous uh, lounge for the players. It's got a big TV. It's got all these different uh, – video games and uh, pool tables, ping pong tables, all that. So if, if they got downtime, they can hang out over there and feel good about it. Roddy, do you have any questions you want to sneak in? Because that wraps up what we have from the – No, I did. We have one from Dog Rules with a Z. Uh, it says, Coach, I want to know who <laughs> who is your best and worst hires were. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't think he's going to come out here and say his worst hires. <laughs> well, it's a rhetorical question on my worst one. I mean, anybody watching the dog event would, would know who that was. Uh, I won't say who it was, but his initials were KR. But uh, uh, as far as my best hire, I, I really don't know. Uh, I had a lot of good coaches. I had, you know, six guys that coached for me went on to be head coaches. And uh, a couple of them have, have gone on and had really good pro careers too. But uh, – Definitely know who my worst one was. Well, you've had a lot of assistants that are still, you know, plugging along right now, doing great work. Rodney Garner has been doing this forever. Doug Marone uh, with Alabama last year. Uh, so, I mean, the network of people that you had even then still making waves in college football right now. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I'm just waiting for. I mean, in the last month, we've had Mike Bobo and B Mac and Stacy Searles and. I got my phone ready. Say, hey, coach, when are you coming up? <laughs> I know where the butt smear is. I'm going to be uh, the uh, the analyst over there for the to analyze. You know, you remember that movie, Analyze This, uh, when oh, yeah. uh, we had Robert De Niro. I mean, I'm going to go over there and analyze everybody for him. Coach is going to be the analyst analyst. So his job is going to be to do the research on how the analysts are doing their jobs. Hey, <laughs> what is that restaurant they got over there? Coach, be sure they, they do quality control on the food. Yeah, they see me They see me coming. They, they have a tendency to kind of move move away because they're afraid I'm going to talk to them or something. But uh, <laughs> they're, they, they're good about it. Uh, I enjoy going over there occasionally just to see – just be around ball. I mean, if you're a ball coach, you're a ball coach. And you know what I mean? You just enjoy being around it. And nothing makes me happier than to have one of my players let me know that he's got a son that's becoming a player. You know what I mean? Just to follow him and watch him come along uh, and see how they do. A lot of them don't make it here, but they go to other places like, Aaron Ferguson, the guy that was All-American lineman for me at Marshall, his son just signed to Gardner-Webb. I mean, that's a big deal for the kid. He's going to Gardner-Webb. Joseph Selfo is the coach. He's Coach Selfo's son, and uh, Trey Lamb's the head coach. So that's great. But uh, but I enjoy getting uh, – being talking to the players. Y'all know that. That's just – that's great for me. And I think one thing's going to be good here is – so many of Kirby's friends that were related to uh, from the standpoint of being around Bobo and uh, Muschamp and, uh, you know, guys like Brandon Tolbert and 
Dax Langley. Those are friends of Kirby that are around here now that they'll, they'll relate to Bobo and them being here too. That'll be good. And, and people say, I read on this the, once in a while, I cut on that dog then. I try to stay away from it because it pisses me off. But uh, I uh, see where people, hey, well, I see where they're getting the old gang back. What's wrong with that? I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. You got people you trust that can help you. I mean, it worked pretty well with Will Muschamp, I'd say, don't you think? I mean, anybody yeah. says, I mean, right now that was a tremendous hire getting him in here, and it really was it turned out to be great based on what happened with Scott Cochran. And I'm glad Scott's back and things are working out for him and his family. But Muschamp coming in here was huge for us last year. I'm talking about gigantic. Yeah, coaches said coaches you. move out of the way when they see you coming because you might talk to them or something. It, really what it is, is it's these offensive coaches. They heard you on the show saying, hey, I, I can still spin it better than all you can. Buster Faulkner <laughs> don't want to get in that competition. Mike Bobo doesn't uh, want you to get that football in your hands. Yeah. Well, I can – you know, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm old and all that, but uh, anybody that would ever question whether I could spin it or not, Need to go smoke some serious spot, <laughs> serious spot. Because I can spin it and I can still spin it, and uh, I can't throw those BBs like you know. I can't throw it hard, uh, knock a rock, you know, knock a, the uh, wall down. But I promise you, if it was third and six and we used to, had to have it, I could deliver. There it is. Speaking of the third six, we are up against the wall here. We got to move the chains to next week. We'll uh, be back next Tuesday with a recap of the uh, combine. Uh, I'm about to bolt out of here to catch a flight to Indianapolis. We will have a ton of stuff at UJSports.com. Be sure to check out this YouTube channel because we're going to try to record every interview we do up there, and we'll have them uh, free on the YouTube channel for you to watch. We'll we'll have written content. Ask James Cook if he's changed his cell phone for me, will you? <laughs> can you do that? I absolutely can. Just FaceTime them real fast. I'm going to have you send me a list of questions for these guys that will uh, get them cracked up. It's, it's so funny to watch them because they're looking at all these reporters and they get a little nervous. And then if you bust them up a little bit, all of a sudden they relax and they're they're ready for it. So. Uh, we'll have all those guys, uh, uh, all those interviews uh, on this channel coming up. So be sure to tune in uh, over the next coming days as we have a ton of interviews. So anyway, we'll talk to you next Tuesday for our friends over at uh, Academy Brewing Company, Europi, Dead Soxy, and Athens Ford. And of course, uh, Classic City Eats. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship and we appreciate your patronage of our sponsors. It means a lot to us. 